We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into this Victory Monday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day Podcast. This is why we love the NFL. This is why we love the Green Bay Packers. This is why we love to pick on the Chicago Bears after months and months and months and months and months of rigorous smack talk of how Justin Fields is going to be the next Jalen Hurts and how all of the moves that they made in the offseason were going to make them competitors and how, hey, the era of Aaron Rodgers is over and the ownership of the Chicago Bears is done with and yada, 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 yada. The Packers go into Chicago with first-time starter, full-time starter Jordan Love and absolutely kick the Bears' teeth in. And it didn't always look the prettiest. It wasn't always the best brand of football. I think there's certainly things that Green Bay needs to clean up, which we'll discuss today as well. But for that same group of Chicago Bear fans who have been talking smack for months and months and months and months to be booing their team off the field With nine minutes left in the third quarter, what more could you possibly want as a Packer fan? A glorious day. And listen, I went into this game and I felt like this was a really solid litmus test for both of these teams, both the Bears and the Packers. Now, from a Packers standpoint, actually, let's start from the Bears. From a Bears standpoint, if you were legitimately going to take a jump as a team and you added all these new players and you wanted to you know, usher in a new era of Chicago Bears football, well, then taking on your arch rivals who are now making the transition at quarterback and the quarterback who has dominated you for years and years and has literally said to your face that he owns you is now out of the division. They trade him away, and you get to now go against Jordan Love instead of decades of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. This was the first moment 
This is the moment that you needed to embrace it. You're at home. It's week one, new era of Chicago Bears football. This is your opportunity. For Green Bay, it's kind of the opposite. You have the Chicago Bears who have been your little brother for three decades for the most part. A couple hiccups here and there, but for the most part, the Packers have owned the Chicago Bears. They were the worst team in football a season ago. And yes, it's the start of a new season. Chicago made some additions to their roster, and you don't know what a new season is going to bring. You're ushering in your own new era with Jordan Love as quarterback, but this was still the worst team in football a season ago. And if you wanted to go out and show that, hey, we are still here, this is still the Green Bay Packers, the bar is here, we have a specific level that we expect ourselves to reach every year, no matter what, then this is your litmus test. You need to go in Chicago and defeat the team that you always defeat anyway. Anything else would have to some level have been, okay, this is going to be different. You got to start thinking of, all right, the, you know, what type of year is this going to be? So this is a huge litmus test for both of these teams going in. And I, I think when you do face the Bears, and it's funny because you go into the game and everyone's picking against the Packers and it's all Bears, 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 Bears. And by the end of the day, it's like, ah, it was just the Bears. Can you really take anything away from this? So I, I do agree with the latter of that to some extent. We don't know what to make of this game. And yes, it is just one game. It's just the last place team in football a season ago. It's just the Chicago Bears who you've owned for years. All of those things are appropriate. And quite frankly, they could have beaten the Eagles, the 49ers, the Chiefs, and any other team. And you could go and say, hey, it's one week. However, for a team that has a new starting quarterback, a litany of new players, a ton of youth and inexperience, and also a team that has struggled in week one in the Matt LaFleur era to adapt and to be ready to go during that first week of the season, and for you know a, a team, and we just sort of look across the league for a league that, you know, some of the week one football just wasn't very good. There were some really poor performances across the league. You don't always know what you're going to get. So knowing all of those things, the fact that the Packers went into Chicago on the road and just flat out handled business, that is a huge step in the right direction for this young team. And maybe this is the peak of the season. Maybe it just goes downhill from here. Maybe this is just the start of what's to come. We don't know. That's why we play the rest of the game. That's why this league is so incredibly fun. The moment you think you have things figured out is the moment you're going to get humbled and everything is going to go in the opposite direction. So a lot of ball game left, a lot of season left, but that was a awesome kick-ass start to the 2023 campaign, to the Jordan Love campaign. And it was a ton of fun to watch as that game played out specifically in that beginning of the third quarter where really everything kind of flipped on its head and Green Bay took con you know total control of that game. The next thing I want to talk about quite clearly is Jordan Love. And if we learned one thing, you don't pick against a Jordan in Chicago. It just is a bad, especially one whose nickname has been Air Jordan, H-E-I-R Jordan. You're going to pick against him in Chicago in week one, probably a bad idea. Jordan Love in this game finishes 15 for 27, 245 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, took only one sack. Unfortunately, it was at almost one of the most inopportune times, but only one sack, had a 123.2 rating. In his post-game uh, press conference, Matt LaFleur said, quote, there is a big time belief in Jordan Love in that locker room. Yeah, you could tell. Go to Twitter, or I think it's probably on Packers.com. It's probably on the Pack or Packers YouTube channel, but on the Twitter's Packer or on Twitter, uh, the Packers Twitter handle, excuse me, you can go and you can see the um the locker room where they celebrated in the locker room. 
go there. They give the first game ball to Kenny Clark, whose dad got to watch him play uh, you know, in the NFL for the very first time. If you're not familiar with that story, check out the story that Wes Hotkovitz wrote on Packers.com earlier this year. So cool moment there. But then Matt LaFleur gives the next game ball to Jordan Love and watch how the team responds. Holy crap. That team has rallied behind that quarterback. They have faith in that quarterback. And today, Jordan Love responded with all the support that he's been given, with all the faith that has been shown to him, with the opportunity to lead this team. And he had a really impressive performance in week one against the Chicago Bears. I thought the first thing I wanted to point out here was the third and fourth down. And kudos to the Fox broadcast team, uh, Burkhardt and, and Olsen and those guys for pointing out just how well he did in that game on third and fourth down, but the poise and composure that he showed and stepping up in the big time moments. I mentioned this on the, the post-game live chat, but when you start looking at a quarterback from a draft standpoint of like, all right, what, what is this quarterback made of? The very first thing you do is you look at the cutups of the third and fourth downs and the red zone opportunities. Those are the big time plays. Those are the money plays. Those are where games are won and lost. If you can win on third and fourth downs, especially third and fourth and long, and you can win in the red zone, you're going to have yourself a heck of a career. And we don't know what it's going to bring moving forward for Jordan Love, but that was a heck of a performance for Love on third and fourth downs and in the red zone. And that is exactly what you want to see out of a quarterback who is maturing right before our eyes, who's developing into a legitimate starter right before our eyes. And it's really, really fun to watch. But the composure, the poise, and just the... Just the calmness and confidence that he showed on those third and fourth down plays, I thought is really what set Green Bay apart. And you could tell the difference between the two quarterbacks in this game. It never felt like Chicago was comfortable with Justin Fields throwing the ball. And whether that was just due to not having faith in Fields throwing, whether that was the marriage of the offensive line and, and Justin Fields, whether that was the new wide receivers still trying to you know meld with Justin Fields, I don't know. But on Chicago's side, this was never a passing offense that looked comfortable at any given moment. And for the Packers, there were some hiccups. There were some moments where you're like, all right, there's, there's going to take some developing here. Some of these receivers and tight ends and Jordan are going to take a little bit of time to get on the same page. But you could tell this was a coaching staff and a game plan that trusted Jordan with everything. And when he was asked to deliver on those third and fourth downs in the red zone, Jordan delivered over and over and over and over. And that overall composure and poise I thought we saw throughout the entirety of the game. And that was scouting report 101 for Jordan Love. You knew he had the talent and you thought that he was maybe going to be able to put it all together. It was going to take a little bit of time. He was a little bit raw coming out of college. But the thing that stood out to you right away was that that after his sophomore year where he was dominant, that junior year where everything around him kind of fell apart, he was going against teams that were just way better than him, the same calm, confident, composed, poised Jordan Love was there every single play, every single down, every single day. And that's what really stood out about, one of the things that really stood out about Jordan in college, it stood out for him. Like, I think that's probably the biggest thing anyone ever says about him is just how there's a calm confidence about him. He just has that you know, cool, calm collectedness and, you know, nothing seems to rattle him. That's just who he is. And this is a very easy game to get rattled in. You are the guy now. 
You're going to Chicago, a place where Aaron has owned that franchise. And now you have to go in and perform and show that you can be the guy. There's a lot of pressure on you in that first game. Everyone's picking Chicago to win. And he goes in and he delivers with an impressive performance. And this was, in my opinion, everything that we've talked about, everything that we expected from Jordan going into this game. Now, I think it was maybe a slight degree above what maybe we expected overall, but I, I talked about it since day one of training camp. He knows he has all the tools. He knows everything to do. He is calm and, 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 composed, or in, and composed, I'll say it again, but he knows where to go with the football. He's in total command of the offense. He is exactly aware of when he needs to check the ball down, when he needs to hit his um, you know, crosses, when he needs to scramble, like all of it. He knows what to do in all of those situations. And that's what we saw on display today, especially in those third and fourth down opportunities. So not a perfect game for Jordan. There's a couple of throws I think he'd like that back. I think some of the, you know, misses, the one to Musgrave where he missed, I think Musgrave slowed down. It may have been overthrown anyway, you know, but that's one you just want to see them find a way to get on the same page with. You know, there's a couple other throws that maybe he forced in a little bit. But overall, I thought this is this is the Jordan Love we saw in preseason. This is the Jordan Love we saw in training camp. And I think this is what we can sort of come to expect moving forward. It's not always going to be this pretty. There's going to be some days at the office that are pretty tough for him. But I thought this is a status quo for the Jordan Love that we've seen all offseason long and kind of even going back to Philadelphia a season ago. And I think the accuracy was uh, was pretty darn impressive today too. Like I said, a couple throws here and there, but when he needed to come up with those big completions, I thought the ball to, to Romeo Dobbs in the end zone that Romeo just went up and got to. Um, the, the first touchdown to Romeo where he stayed you know, completely confident in the pocket, stood tall, and then kind of double clutched and then just threw a dart in the back of the end zone to Romeo. Some big time stuff from, from Jordan that you absolutely love to see. And then one other play I wanted to point out here. Bears had just scored the touchdown and the two-point conversion at the end of the third quarter to make it 24-14, and they had started gathering some momentum in that game. It was third and three to start the fourth quarter, and then there was a false start penalty. I think it was Dontavian Wicks with a false start penalty that made it third and eight. So third and eight, start of the fourth quarter, up by 10, and if you have to punt the ball away here, Chicago's just grabbed a foothold in this game. And now if they score on that ensuing drive, it's a one possession game and could even be a three point game if they get a touchdown off of it. But it's third and eight and Jordan Love after that false start, after the momentum had been going in Chicago's favor, he finds Jaden Reed down the field for a huge completion and a first down. The next play was the fumble that resulted in the touchdown or the the deep ball to, to Luke Musgrave. And then the next play was the Romeo Dobbs touchdown. Like that... That is exactly what you want to see from Jordan Love. But not only the completion on third down that really swung the, the game back in Green Bay's favor, but how about that next play to Luke Musgrave? Because how many young, inexperienced quarterbacks have the fumble and they're just completely like the whole play is shot? It's, you're just completely discombobulated from that point on. Love, there's the botched, fumbled exchange. He makes the play, gets it back up. And then how many quarterbacks, even at that point, they're just like, they're just, their eyes are immediately down and they're just trying to scramble and get whatever they can. But then Jordan on that play, what does he do? The first thing he does is he gets his eyes back downfield. And it just so happens that Luke Musgrave is wide open. And yeah, you'd like to see Musgrave score on that play, but still a massive play in that game. And the next play, like I said, is that that, uh, jump ball touchdown to Romeo Dobbs in the left corner of the end zone. So really, really good stuff from Jordan. He ends the day, as I mentioned, 245 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Just for kicks and giggles, 
Aaron Rodgers last year in 2022 had four games where he had 245 yards or more passing, four times. He had uh, one three touchdown or more game last year. He had zero 245 yard three touchdown games last year. And that's what Jordan had in his first game, 245 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. The last time Aaron did that was in Baltimore, uh, in Baltimore against Baltimore in 2021. So, you know, listen, this is a defensive league right now. And if you can come up with performances like that, you're going to win more often than not. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's a great way to start as your uh, first career start as a, you know, full-time starter in Green Bay. So um, I'm not going to, you know, say that he's the next Aaron Rodgers, that he's as good as Aaron Rodgers. My point being there is, A, we didn't see that a ton out of Aaron last year. And B, everyone wants to immediately say, all right, well, Jordan's not Aaron Rodgers. He can't just come in and be Aaron and so on and so forth. And we've talked about this on numerous occasions as well. And he doesn't necessarily have to be when you think of Hall of Fame MVP Aaron Rodgers. But the Aaron we saw last year, more pedestrian. And Aaron is correct that his most of his worst years are most quarterbacks' career years. And I think we would all agree that if Jordan had the year that Aaron had last year, that would be a really nice performance from Jordan. But these are the type of games that Jordan can have And if he continues to have these type of games, he's going to finish at or better than what Aaron did a season ago. So that's not, I don't want to set any crazy bars here, any sort of expectations. There's a long way to go in the season. It was one win. It's the Chicago Bears. You do have to like sort of temper expectations a little bit moving forward, but this is the type of performance that Jordan is capable of putting together. And we didn't see very many of these performances from Aaron last year. So when you think of like, oh, if, if, if the Packers want to be eight and nine again or better, like he's going to have to be better than what Aaron Rodgers was a season ago. And you th- immediately that, that ch- like changes your mindset of like, oh, he's got to be an MVP if, if Green Bay wants to compete this year. But the truth is Aaron was not that MVP caliber quarterback last year. And Jordan can have the type of season that Aaron had a season ago. So that is going to be worth tracking through the remainder of this year just to see how Jordan performs. There's so much I want to get to. I have like a million more notes, but I'm going to try to go through the rest kind of a little bit quicker so we can get to everything. The next thing I want to talk about is team speed. This was a different Green Bay Packers team. And I, you know, you look at some of the the players that Aaron likes to throw to in the, the past year, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon, not a lot of team speed with those players. Jordan today, He's throwing to Luke Musgrave. He's throwing to Jaden Reed. Samori Toure caught a couple passes. Like there's a increase in team speed with a lot of those players. And on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, my goodness, they looked a step and a half faster than they did a season ago. Another player who went to the Jets, Adrian Amos, that didn't look as fast, you know, last year. I thought we saw like some of that, you know, kind of replaced. And we saw a little bit more team speed overall on this team. And but I, I think even in the front. I thought you saw, you know, guys like Devontae Wyatt and Lucas Van Ness exploding into the football and getting into the backfield. I thought you saw a more attacking brand of football. I thought you see this saw this defense rallying to the football, but Quay Walker, look what he did on the interception, what he was able to do on the, the pick six. Like there was just an increase in speed, and we saw it on special teams, we saw it on offense, we saw it on defense. Sometimes I know I think people get a little frustrated of, oh, Brian's just picking up another athlete or he's just drafting another, you know, 4-3-40 guy with insane like measurables, but can he play football? There does need to be a level of football that you need to play at, but if all of a sudden you start with a, like having a team that's running all 4-3-40s all over the place and is extremely athletic, 
that's eventually going to show up on tape. And I thought we got our first glimpse of that against Chicago. The team speed in this game, again, offense, defense, and special teams was evident all day long and very, very fun to watch. All right, let's talk about Aaron Jones next, both good and bad, right? The bad, the really bad being the potential injury, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. The bad being they forgot about him again. Now, to some extent, I do want to say in the second quarter, generally, this is where they rest Aaron a little bit more and they try to be cautious with him to limit his carries throughout the course of a game in the course of a season. Usually first quarter is heavy Aaron Jones. Second is usually their number two, which is primarily AJ Dillon. And then third and fourth, they finish strong again with a little bit of balance, but more Aaron Jones. That's usually their formula. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I think they need to evaluate that and how they kind of keep that hot hand going when Jones is playing so well. But you, 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 at the same token, you can't just have big moments in the game where, where Jones isn't even in the game. And even if you're using him as a decoy, whatever it may be, when he's out of the game, it, there was a tangible difference in this game. Like the offense, and maybe part of this is due to Christian Watson being out, but you need playmakers out on the field. And with no Christian Watson, we saw big plays from Jaden Reed. Luke Musgrave had a couple, you know, big opportunities. He converted one of them. But um, you you just need that level of playmaking that it felt like only Aaron Jones was kind of able to deliver at times. There was a point in this game where the Packers had 226 yards and Jones had 127 of them. And it feels like every single year we get into this conversation of, hey, you know, you know, you still have Aaron Jones, you can run. And, you know, Matt will, you know, say like, yeah, we need to do a better job. And they'll say, but our goal is to, you know, make sure that we don't wear him out. It's a long season. And those are all legitimate points, but man, it, like I said, there is a real legitimate tangible difference to not having Aaron Jones in there. And this is one of those games where you might've needed to ask a little bit more of him with Christian Watson being out. Now, to be fair to Green Bay, we saw like, hey, this is why you maybe don't want to use him quite as much because he has the, the hamstring injury later in the game. But man, what a performance by Aaron. And this is why you do need to keep him involved. Nine carries, 41 yards and a touchdown, two catches, 86 yards and a touchdown, 127 yards on 11 overall touches, a huge performance by Aaron Jones, and really, really fun to watch overall. I thought he was phenomenal in this game, ran hard. He just, you know who he looked like? Aaron freaking Jones. That's who he looked like in this game. He has been a stud since day one in Green Bay. There's always questions of why he doesn't get the ball more. He always makes huge plays, and this is exactly what we've come to expect from Aaron Jones on a week-to-week basis. Next up, I want to talk about the offensive line. Go watch any of the rest of the NFL through the course of the day, through the course of the week. There was some awful, go watch the Giants, first of all. There was some awful offensive line play throughout the course of the league. Just really brutal. And we are living, in my opinion, in a golden age of of pressure players. Like you've got some Micah Parsons, some TJ Watts, some Aaron Donalds. Like, and we could go on. I don't I don't want to, you know, spend the next 10 minutes going over all these amazing pass rushers throughout the league, but this is a really big time golden age of pass rushers, and it's not really a golden age of offensive linemen. And you've got teams that are stacked with, te- you know, starting offensive linemen that are mediocre at best. Like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's not great. So you can see, like, look at the Cincinnati Bengals. They could not block against the Cleveland Browns. Like I said, the Giants could not block at all against the Dallas Cowboys. And this offensive line for Green Bay, I thought Josh Myers had a little bit of a, a tough day. We'll talk about that in just a second as well. But David Bakhtiar, I don't want to hear one more thing about him not practicing. Go compare him and what he played like to all the guys throughout the rest of the league who practiced for the last two weeks. Give me Bakhtiari. I'll take that guy. He was awesome in this game. And I thought the overall, the Packers offensive line protected 
Jordan Love incredibly well all throughout the day. Run blocking, some still things to, to work on and a little bit of a, you know more of a work in progress. But from a pass protection standpoint, those guys were fantastic and uh, deserve a ton of credit for some of Jordan Love's success throughout the day as well. Also love to see some of the complimentary football. How about the, the start of the third quarter where you get the awesome touchdown drive by the Packers, followed up by the quick, I think it was a three and out, but a, a really quick stop by the Packers defense, followed up by the huge punt return by Jaden Reed. Offense leads to defense, leads to special teams. The offense getting those points put the Bears under pressure, made them more predictable. The Packers were able to get off the field and then, and I think, forced the three and out or at least a, a quick turnaround. Jaden Reed gets the big punt return, sets the Packers offense up again. That's complementing one another. And when you can play like that on offense, defense, and special teams, it's team football, and it just really, really opens up your window for success and gives you a lot more opportunity to win week in and week out. Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye game six of the NBA finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game, I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used game time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using game time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the game time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using Prize Picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. 
I talked a little bit about Devontae Wyatt and Lucas Van Ness. Thought their speed and along the defensive line and edge really showed out. I mean, you had the LVN play where he chases down Justin Fields. You had the Devontae Wyatt. He had a sack and a half. So they combined for two and a half sacks on the day. And you just saw some of their ability to knife in and get into the backfield. I want to talk to those of you who are like, yeah, well, both of those plays were unblocked. Stop. All right. So first of all, Go and pause that LVN play where he starts coming in on the run and then Justin Fields fakes and then he has to pivot in turn. Do you know how many 275 pound human beings in this world can come this way, see Justin Fields head the other way, pivot back, chase down, take the angle and get him for a loss? Almost none. Almost no people in the world at 275 pounds who can do that in a football game. That was a special, special play, and his speed at 275 pounds was extremely evident, and his ability to close to the football, in this case, uh, Justin Fields, I don't think Justin Fields thought there was a chance in heck. Like, There's a reason that LVN is unblocked on that play, because most edge players aren't getting to Justin Fields on that bootleg, not even close. So for LVN to get there and take him down, which was an issue throughout the day, just getting that guy to the ground and is it an issue most days because it's Justin freaking Fields and he's hard to get down, that's a huge big time play for LVN. Devontae Wyatt, same thing. Do you know how many 320-ish pound defensive linemen have the burst and explosion to even get to Justin Fields on that play? I mean, just really fun stuff. And you add athletes to your roster and those are the type of athletic plays that you are going to get blocked or unblocked. I do not care. Those that, that athleticism showed out on those two plays in particular. Darnell Savage, 10 ta- tackles on the day. I thought we saw some 2020 Darnell Savage. I have been harsh on Savage the past couple seasons. I thought that they needed to go in a different direction. That was a really nice performance and a really nice day from Savage. We'll see on the all 22 if it matches up. Sometimes the safeties, you don't get a great angle on the TV film, but 10 tackles. I thought he rallied to the football well. I thought his speed showed out, made a couple of really big impact tackles. Thought there were some 2020 Darnell Savage, which is by far and away his best season. If they get that out of him, that will be a massive step in the right direction. Quay Walker, a couple plays where, you know, still struggles to diagnose or get off a block here and there. But at the same token, comes up with a huge pick six, turns into Walter freaking Payton on the return. Like, I don't know what that was, but big time day. He did end up with concussion syndrome. So I don't, or like symptoms, I should say. So we'll see if he misses any time or what's up with that. But Nice, nice performance from Quay. And anytime you get that type of pick six, you're you're going to end up on the positives list to say the least. So we'll see on the all 22, how the rest of his day went. Some defensive stats I want to talk about. Justin Fields was nine of 59 rushing on, you know, most of those on scrambles. And, you know, you still need to stop that too. It's not like you're just completely saying, ah, that's okay. But this is a defense that allowed five yards per carry a season ago. Take away the Justin Fields stuff when they actually were just like kind of handing the ball off. The rest of the Bears offense, 20 carries, 63 yards, just barely over three yards a carry with a long of 12 yards. And meanwhile, their biggest play that they allowed through the air was only 23 yards. So Green Bay did a fantastic job of limiting big plays and making Chicago have to go the length of the football field. They got the one touchdown late in the game in garbage time that I'm not really too concerned about. Other than that, they held Chicago up until that point to 14 points. And what was that? Two field goals and a touchdown with a two-point conversion. More than satisfactory for the defense and a nice step in the right direction for them. Speaking of which, Anders Carlson. Like we said all along, this guy's Mr. Automatic. He never misses. 
Six for six on kicks, including a 52-yard field goal that kind of saved Matt LaFleur's bacon because of the really messed up, like they had 32 seconds on the clock when Jordan Love got sacked. And by the time they called the timeout, there was four seconds left. Like, whew, that was ugly as ugly can be. But Carlson saves the, the you know, saves that series and saves the, you know, halftime momentum crushes a 52-yarder and goes five for five on extra points through the day. So really nice performance from Anders, and hopefully that is a harbinger of things to come. Of course, with all the positives, there's some negatives to go over as well. The two-minute drill we just talked about. Good start to the two-minute drill, and I guess ultimately a good finish too. You got the field goal by Anders, but that can't happen. You can't have 32 seconds left on when you get sacked and not like you've got a ton of time and you have a timeout. You got to figure out something. And if you're not sure that the play to get in, call the timeout immediately. And I know you want to keep that last timeout so you don't have to potentially get into a situation where you got to rush your field goal team onto the field, but you can't just take the sack, let 28 seconds roll off, call a timeout, and then kick a 52-yard field goal. That can't happen. So that's a big-time learning moment. Also, the sequence following the Justin Fields fumble. Justin Fields fumbles uh, at their own 18-yard line. Green Bay should, you know, basically gets it at like the, I think the 20, you know, one, something like that, somewhere around there. That's where it should have been. They should have, they had phenomenal field position. That should have been the dagger right then and there. Game over. But instead, Devondre Campbell did a like really terrible job of ripping people, uh, ripping a Chicago bear off the pile. And it wasn't like just like a, hey, you know, nudge, nudge, kind of get out of here. He was like literally ripping this player off of the pile, which results in Green Bay getting backed up. Then Green Bay can't get anything going on offense. I think they go three and out, or at least they have to punt the ball away immediately after. And they end up with, it should have been an easy three points just based on where the turnover happened in and of itself because of the Campbell penalty. It pushed them way back. They have to punt the ball away. They punt the ball away. And on the punt, you get a 15 yard penalty on the punt as well. Chicago fumbled at their own 18. When they got the ball back, they were at their own 35. They gained 17 yards out of that entire scenario. Should have been easy points for Green Bay. Game over. Ball game. Instead, you give Chicago life. That may not matter when you're up by a bunch against Chicago. That is stuff that can lose you games against better teams. So that's stuff that has to get cleaned up. That has to be points. And the what happened on that ensuing drive for Chicago is there was another 15-yard penalty by Green Bay. I think there was a Rudy Ford one. And they end up going down and scoring a touchdown. And like I said, all of a sudden, you're only up by 10. So that completely changed the trajectory of the game at that point. Now, Green Bay bounced back and kudos to them for that. Those are the things that, like I said, against better teams is going to get you beat. So you want to see that stuff get cleaned up a little bit. You can't have three 15-yard penalties and like a three game minute moment. And then the tackling too. And part of this is just a hat tip to Justin Fields. He's going to break some tackles, but I didn't think the tackling on the day uh, on the whole was good enough. It, it, It was... It was a little bit of a roller coaster. There were definitely some plays where Green Bay hit hard, got players to the ground, and, and showed that tackling intensity. There were other plays where there was just really poor form, and, and Chicago Bears just kind of broke right through it. So, especially on some of those sacks at Justin Fields, like you could have ended up, I think, holding Chicago down even more if you just could have held on to their players. But a little bit of technique work needed on the tackling. Sometimes that's to expect with week one. I'd be less concerned about it if it's not something we've seen in previous seasons as well. So, it's a little bit of a carryover, but. Those are the things they probably need to work on. Some players in this game I didn't think had the best days. A.J. Dillon. There's a big opportunity for A.J. Dillon. Jones goes down, and even before Jones goes down, they give Dillon a a pretty good run in this game. As I mentioned before, there was a tangible difference when Aaron Jones wasn't in the game, and partially that's due to A.J. Dillon. 
we talked about team speed. AJ Dillon doesn't have that. He doesn't have that game-breaking ability, doesn't have great speed, doesn't have great uh, maneuverability in the hole. He's not going to make many people miss. He's kind of going to get what's blocked for him. And sometimes not even that. Like there's the hole he has for the touchdown that should have been a touchdown and he trips over his own player. His contact balance hasn't been great. His ability to run behind his pads hasn't been great. And he doesn't have a meal, a, a go-to move in the open field that he can go to. And, and like I said, get by a safety, get by a linebacker, whatever it ends up being. He's not going to run away from him. He's not going to juke him. And when he tries to run over him, usually what happens is he tries to run through them and they just kind of all fall down together. So I thought this is, and he had the, the, the ball that hit his hands and he dropped. It wasn't going to go for much anyway, probably like a two yard game, but it's a drop. I thought his pass protection was fantastic on first glance. And when, you know, when I rewatch this as well, we'll see on the all 22, but there's some things he does well, just him holding on to the football and that little toss play that could have been a complete game changer. Green Bay's up, I think seven, three at that point on like their own 10 yard line. If Dylan fumbles that we're probably talking about a huge, massively different ball game. So it's not like it was all bad, but I didn't think it was a great game from AJ Dillon. Rudy Ford, same thing. I thought he missed some tackles, took some poor angles, got run over on a play, had the 15 yard penalty. We knew safety play was going to be an issue. I thought it was, I thought Savage had a really nice day as mentioned, but Rudy Ford, not so much. And then Josh Myers, especially on those first drives, like they it felt like at times they were playing with 10 guys instead of 11. He had a couple of nice plays too. And I'm, I'm really going to be interested to see the all 22 for Josh, but uh, there were multiple plays in this game where you're just like, oh, that kind of looks like the Josh Myers we've seen over the past two seasons. So three players, Dylan, Ford, and Myers, who I think need a little bit better performances moving forward. Also want to talk about the special teams really quick. I thought kick coverage was really good. Eric Wilson made that great play in the open field. Anders Carlson, we talked about six for six on kicks. You had the big punt return by Jaden Reed. You had a punt that they fair caught at their own five-yard line, meaning Chicago that you know Waylon had uh, a really nice punt on. Overall, lots to like about that special teams performance. I thought this was probably one of their best like all-around special teams performances that I can remember in a really long time. No miscues, no major issues, just a really well-rounded performance on special teams and kudos to Rich Passaccia for that. Some other really quick notes, JJ uh, Enigbari uh, ended up with the the start over Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary on the pitch count a little bit more. So Enigbari gets to start opposite of Preston Smith. Ben Sims ahead of Tucker Craft. I, you know, he, he, he was promoted over Tucker Craft. Now they're both active, but Ben Sims was the number two tight end. Now, Deguara is still that H-back fullback, but Luke Musgrave tight end one, Ben Sims tight end two. He looked pretty darn good as a run blocker. Green, you know, Green Bay may have found something there as a you know player that they can use a little bit, but interesting to see that he was definitely ahead of Tucker Craft in week one, despite them just picking him up off of waivers. Meanwhile, you Bacon, the old six offensive line formation was back. Rasheed Walker got in on a couple plays, including that big screenplay to Aaron Jones on the bootleg that they you know threw it across the field to him. That was a really nice drawn up play, but Rasheed Walker, six offensive lineman on that play. And we saw it on a few different occasions. Luke Musgrave, talk about the scouting report and how it transfers over into the NFL game. Two things on the scouting report showed up in this one. A, his effort as a blocker. I talked about it immediately. You know, you know, as soon as I broke down his tape from college, one of the things as a blocker is he always gave great effort and he always got to his his spots on the field and his, his targets and he always tried to get there. And you could tell there was an attention to detail with his blocking. 
I thought on this day, we saw a couple of really nice blocks from Luke Musgrave, and you could tell that he cared about it. And he's not always going to be the most physical, intimidating blocker in the world, but if you care about it and you give effort, you're going to have uh, you know success at some point in the NFL. I thought we saw some of that today as a blocker from Luke Musgrave. The other thing, talked about it in camp, talked about it on his scouting report, stumbles a lot. You want to see that balance improve a little bit? It's almost like he's a 6'6", like 4'4", 40 guy that just like, he's too fast for his own body sometimes. It just kind of gets out of control. We saw that on a couple of plays where he just kind of stumbled specifically on the, the big play after the fumble that he caught down the field. You want to see him just keep his feet, keep his momentum a little bit more, but I do think that's something that hopefully can come with time. Jaden Reed, really nice day. A couple of big plays, but on that one third down play, where he got open, Jordan Love threw it his way. Love maybe could have thrown a little bit better of a ball, uh, but I want to see Jaden Reed come back and attack that ball moving forward. And then Carl Brooks, really nice sack as well. I told you guys, all he does is get sacks. Credit to the the stunt on this one. I think it was Preston Smith, but I could be wrong there. But either way, the, uh, the edge rusher did a nice job kind of picking off Cody Whitehair a little bit. And then Carl Brooks was able to get around and get the sack. But still, I'm telling you, all that guy does is get sacks and he proved it again in week one. You're in actives for the day. Everyone I predicted except one, Christian Watson, Emmanuel Wilson, Anthony Johnson Jr., Brenton Cox, Caleb Jones, Sean Ryan, and the one I got wrong, which I said could have been the case, They, I thought maybe Ben Sims was going to be active or deactivated, but Ben Sims, not only active, but like I said, tight end number two, Zane Anderson was the last player that they did not activate for the game. Injuries in the game, we talked about Aaron Jones had the hamstring injury. We'll see how he's, uh, you know, he goes this week and if he's ready to play against Atlanta. Quay Walker had the concussion. Then Jaden Reed had that leg injury. However, he was in on the onside kick and on the recovery that they had, and he looked totally fine moving to get that ball. So hopefully that is not a issue moving forward for Jaden Reed. Looks like they may have dodged a bullet there. Meanwhile, Packers and Bears weren't the only NFC North teams to play on Sunday. Minnesota Vikings played as well. They lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Minnesota, led by Baker Mayfield. And now your Minnesota Vikings get to play the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday night football on the road in Philadelphia. So a quick turnaround and a tough opponent for the Vikings and could easily find themselves at 0-2 by the end of Thursday night. Meanwhile, Packers head into Atlanta, 12 p.m. kickoff, noon kickoff on Sunday. Packers open as one-point favorites. And the thing that we're going to be keeping an eye on this week, the status of Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, and Quay Walker. Those are going to be three key players for the Packers, and hopefully we get good injury news throughout the course of the week. Last but not least, if you haven't had a chance to check out Packaday memberships yet, make sure to check them out. Huge shout out to our new Hall of Fame members, Arnaldo Espinoza, Shea Dad, and John Wild. And that adds to our two other Hall of Fame members, PJ Wynn and Most Hated Minnesotan. So really, 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 really appreciate that. We also have a new Pro Bowl member in Marcus Sacco. So subscribe if you haven't already, like, comment, look at becoming a member. There's new members only vids coming this week. We had two last week and new members only chat coming this Thursday as well. So if you're interested in that, make sure to check out those memberships. That is going to do it for me today. Packers defeat the Chicago Bears 1-0. We're heading to Atlanta. We've got a ton to break down through the course of this week. Film breakdowns. I'm going to have special guests all week. Justice Mosqueda is going to be joining me on Tuesday uh, right here on the show as well as Paul Brettel. I mean, we've got a phenomenal uh, you know, list of guests coming up this week, so you're not going to want to miss it. I, that's all I got for you guys today. I am uh, tired, exhausted, but in all the best ways. I'll see you guys tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.